What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Back Shoulder Fade. Of course, I am your host and producer, James Johnson, aka Sports Grind underscore Don, as you all know me on Twitter. We are back, as I said, season two, the new and improved Back Shoulder Fade. Nonetheless, I got my brother with me. As always, we returned last week. Appreciate all those who shared and listened to our last episode. Uh, where we returned from hiatus, you know, we kind of had a uh, post-COVID or a, uh, you know, a return from hiatus with COVID dying down is how we'll put it. I don't want to put, I don't want to say it's, uh, you know, post-coronavirus or post-pandemic. But nonetheless, me, Josh Simpson are back for another episode. Uh, we got plenty of topics at hand today. We're going to talk some Tim Tebow, unfortunately. <laughs> We're going to also talk about our favorite games because the schedule was released this week as well. So we got three games that we're going to talk about and just break down. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to bring my man in, Josh Sampson, to have the floor real quick. How you doing, my man? And hope all is well. Yeah, I'm feeling good, man. This is a special episode and special day, man. Happy birthday, man. I appreciate you, my man. Appreciate it. Appreciate the gift. And also appreciate everybody who's reached out in general uh, through social media, Facebook, Twitter, what have you. Uh, won't reveal my age, but <laughs> I will say that I'm glad to be here. Very blessed uh, and um, appreciate all of the love that I received on this day. So um, I couldn't ask for a better birthday, you know, just for the simple fact. Like me and Josh said last week, just to make it through all of this COVID stuff healthy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you, you can't take birthdays at this point for granted. At uh, at, at least I feel that way. So, you know, that's my my take on the matter. That being said, we're gonna get right into the show. As I said, we're gonna start it off talking about a controversial figure in the the football community, as you all know. And I've I've set my bias aside, of course, because of covering the Jaguars. But as you all know, I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. Uh, never been that high on Tim Tebow. My guy right here to the right of me, as you all know, Miami Hurricanes fan. So he's not a fan either, which is why I am dying to hear what he has to say about Tim Tebow, who is supposed to be returning. He hasn't put his name on the dotted line. Let's let's make that a known fact. OK, he hasn't signed yet. So we're not reporting that or anything like that. But. Uh, what are your thoughts about Tim Tebow returning to the Jacksonville Jaguars or through the Jacksonville Jaguars, but this time as a tight end? Excuse me. Um, let me preface it by saying uh, you're right. I'm not a Florida Gators fan by any means, but you know I do think Tebow is one of the uh, might be. Well, he's definitely in the top five of greatest college football players of all time. That being said, I thought we were done with this chapter of of, uh, you know, Tebow playing football. I thought we were all done with it. Um, it seems like he made the decision six years too late. He should have made the decision. Yeah, he should have made it before he even played quarterback for the Broncos. You Agreed. Know. Agreed. Uh, you know, the numbers, you know, of course, you know, you got the Skip Bayless numbers where he, you know, went 7-4. He won his entitled and all that. Won a playoff game. But the man – Skip, stop it. Stop it, Skip. <laughs> The man completed three passes in a in a in a NFL game, a real NFL game. Not like it's not like it's backyard football. It's not like it's Madden where you can run the ball thirty times and still win a game. Man completed three passes. It, it just how many, bro? Three. 
when he became an analyst for ESPN and SEC Network and all that, you know, I just thought, you know, maybe he finally found his lane, you know. Or, you know, he went to baseball, played single A, played double A. And, you know, he was, you know, people say, well, Josh, he made the all-star thing. Okay, first of all, there's only like eight teams in double A, okay? It's not, it's not that, well, I don't say it's not that hard, but it's, it's he made he made it uh, batting 266 in uh in double a which is not good whatsoever he has he's been mediocre ever since he left florida uh ever since he left the university of florida whether it be as a quarterback whether it be as a baseball player i think he played left field or center field whatever he played he's he's just been a mid-level athlete now not saying that the the kind of position that that Irvin wants him to play which is i'm pretty sure it's not gonna be tight end where he's got his hand in the ground like you know, 30, 40 snaps a game. Right. I mean, be- he's mentioned his – if we just go by, like, if we read the tea leaves, right, Urban has mentioned his athleticism, right, and so on and so forth. And we know what the NFL has moved to in terms of tight ends, right? Right. So you're right. It's probably not your traditional hand-in-the-dirt tight end. Uh, they want to see him uh, utilized in the passing game, flexed out type of deal, you know, which – Still feel like it's not gonna work, but I'm seeing this is more. I mean, I'm seeing this is more of a Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill situation. But hell, even Taysom Hill got an arm on him. He could at least throw the ball a little bit. You know, I don't even trust. I don't trust. Uh, I don't trust Tebow. I still don't trust Tebow with his arm. I mean, not saying that they could just gonna have him in, have him come in like he did his freshman year at Florida, where he, you know, he run the ball or you know do. Uh, uh, the jump pass at the goal line, but I'm tired of hearing about Tebow. I'm pretty sure Jacksonville is tired of hearing about Tebow. But on the other side of this, like, you know, when you know when you want to see it work, like, it's not like Tebow has ever technically failed in anything. You know what I mean? He always seems to come out somehow on top at the end. You know what I mean? Not not like not like I mean he's not he hasn't won a Super Bowl or anything. He hasn't won MVP or made a Pro Bowl, but he should have won the Heisman twice, in my my opinion. For him to win multiple SEC championships, to win two national championships, to beat the best of the best, you know, there's something. There's got to be something there for Tebow. There's got to be a reason other than, well, let me say this. I think the other side of this is I could tell that Urban is trying to surround him, surround himself with people that make him feel comfortable. Yeah, you. I mean, like, and you don't cover the Jaguars, but I could speak on that. He he is. Yeah. Like because he that that was like one of the first things you know, kind of out of his mouth is, and the reason for that, I believe, and he said this too, is the COVID era we live in. You can't, like, with the draft, for example, you can't have people come into your facility and meet them in person. So you had to do video conferencing through Zoom. With people right. you don't know, like, and you can only tell so much about people in that way through right. Zoom. So that's the reason why he wants people he's familiar with, he knows personally, maybe somebody he's been not even played with or coached at Ohio State, but uh, even some people that he's tried to recruit. That's been a thing, like people he has been in his th- those people's actual like living rooms with their moms and dad that he know. Uh, you know, like your um Jackson Carmen, for example, the left tackle from Clemson. He was drafted uh, by uh, somebody in the second round. But, you know, it was a it was a a bunch of guys. One of your guys, Brevin Jordan, they tried to recruit him to Ohio State. Urban Meyer is comfortable with him. 
that's why the Jaguars, you know, like people like tried to mock him to the Jaguars and mock drafts because Urban Meyer did kind of hint at it being a theme of him bringing in people that he know on a personal level. So you're, you're absolutely right about that's probably a key factor in this. He knows Tim Tebow. We are, the way I put it, Tim Tebow is his godson, essentially. And they live in the same neighborhood with Trent Baalke, who was the GM. But continue. Yeah, at the Alex Smith. Also, uh, it, it reminds me of Chip Kelly when he got his job with the Eagles. Now, I don't know if Urban would be a tyrant like Chip Kelly was where he, you know, he traded away all his best players from McCoy to – what was that? Did they trade to get Kiko Alonso or did they trade away Kiko, Kiki Alonso? Oh, uh, I think they traded to, to get, get him, right? Cause Alonzo Kiko went, Alonso he, went to Oregon. Oregon, right? exactly. Yeah. So he exactly. Was trying to, um, but yeah, he hasn't been like, that hasn't been a thing with him where he wants to trade. Because a lot of actual Dave Caldwell's pieces right. are pieces that Urban feel like he can work with. Right. The issue is Dave Caldwell can never find a quarterback. Dave Caldwell has almost built everything around the quarterback position. <laughs> Yeah. Like he, they have receiver, they have DJ Chart, they got Lavisca Chenault. They have, you know, their offensive line will be together for this will be the second year in a row that those five will be together. They just never had the quarterback, and also they they are extremely bad on defense too, giving up four hundred yards routinely. Yeah. That needs to be fixed. Yeah, I am. I'm like I said before. I'm tired of this whole. Tebow fiasco, and I understand why people were upset that he got a shot and Kaepernick did. I mean, I mean, who wouldn't be? But if it's gonna, you know, if Urban thinks it's gonna work, if he's got that much confidence in it, he should at least, you know, give it a shot. And if it don't work, it don't work. But it's 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 hard to judge this early. I mean, we haven't even seen him. I mean, we only taking his, his word for it unless you've seen video of it. I mean, like, I, it's it's hard to judge it at this point because you know they say he's got competitiveness and all this. I'm like, so is everybody else on the field. Like, that's that's the whole reason they in the NFL because they got that competitive edge to them and they want to compete and they want to be the best. That, that, that's, that's one of the main driving factors that you got to you gotta have to be in the NFL. Like, right. I, like, if that's the that's the starting point. If you don't have that, you, you're you not getting picked up or you don't deserve to be there. Right. So, like, everybody shares that. What you're saying, Barry, everyone shares that trait, and I agree. I really didn't have it. When I first heard it, like, First of all, I didn't even think it was going to happen because I thought it was kind of, you know, rumor mill and um, you thought it was just people, you know, tweets, uh, people just saying stuff to get, you know, to get clicks. But I remember the connection with Irvin and, you know, Tebow and, like, they, Irvin's best years were in Florida. I mean, because, I mean, I know he had success at Ohio State, but he, the kind of success they had at Florida was, you know, it was unmet. So yeah, I could see why Irvin would be – Comfortable bringing in a guy like Tebow, but it's a it's an interesting situation, to say the least. Yeah, it's a lot of things you said there uh, that I agree with or I want to talk on. Uh, I guess I'll just start with the last thing you just said, the awareness from the game, right? That was one of the concerns I had. Check out the Jaguars or the Believe in Jaguars podcast. That's literally what we talked about in the last episode. One of my issues, not necessarily issues with it, but one of my concerns with it, is when you're away from the game that long, I think it's been since 2015, which he was last with the Eagles, if I'm not mistaken. When you've been away from the game that long, like you can, you know, people could dress this up as, oh, he's buff as all get out, which we've seen the pictures. Like he's swole, he's cut. And you can make all of these, you know, you could throw it out there that he's in the best shape of his life, you know, in Urban's case or 
the fans case for that. You know, he's kept his body up. He's, uh, you know, obviously he's done that because he's been playing baseball, right? You could throw all of that out there. But at the same time, this is a different game from baseball. You know what I'm saying? And like, I'm not saying that on a level to where I'm down in baseball because I love the game of baseball. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying this is two different sports. Okay. This is a contact sport where Tim Tebow is going to be taking contact from elite athletes uh, frequently if they plan to use them at the tight end position, like they want to, you know, like that's just, you know what I'm saying? Like, so six years away from that. And then you come back into the game and you're taking that contact. My concern with it was that he may can suffer an injury right off the bat. And I'm not wishing injury off of anybody, but we all know me and you at least know you don't go away from football, then come back into it. And you're already built for the contact that you're going to take, especially at the highest level, which is the NFL it just it don't work like that especially at the age he's at now exactly and adding the fact that i'm pretty sure a lot of people he's on the defense want to take his head off and that's going to be a thing in the preseason and if he, he makes the preseason and he ain't protected by quarterback rules he out there as a tight end exactly and now one thing we can say is the rules are significantly more friendly in terms of the person getting hit now than they were then you know but still still nonetheless uh, they, they'll find ways. Yeah, the the me the way Phil put it is like, okay, let's see, let's say Tim Tebow gets in game fourth quarter, right? He's gonna be seeing super super hungry young men that's trying to make the roster. Those are bubble players you're going against if you're coming in in the fourth quarter. We're talking about you know a third to second, uh, yeah, probably third to fourth string linebackers, third to fourth string safeties. They're hungry. They're trying to make a statement, mm-hmm. and they're already ticked off that he got a spot. When one of their buddies that went undrafted in college should have got that spot or whatever the case may be, they're already ticked off by that. So, yeah, they are going to be teeing off on him and so on and so forth. And one of the points I made on our podcast, um, basically, I was saying now the funny thing about this now, all of these people that had something to say about Tim Tebow coming back in the league and I'm talking about players, please don't be that person that go out there and get trucked. Okay, just don't be that person. I don't think it's going to happen. But that's always that's kind of been the story of Tim Tebow's career. The guys that went out there on the field against him, none of them thought they would end up getting trucked by him. It kind of took him by surprise. Right. You know, his strength does take you by surprise. Now, don't I don't know if he's going to bring that same strength and aggressiveness to the tight end position that he had when he was a quarterback. And he's been away to your credit. He's been away from the game so long. But I'm just saying, like, everybody that's got something to say, just go out there and handle your business and don't get embarrassed by this man either because that's going to be a bad look too is what I'm saying, is what I'm getting at here. So, right. um, yeah, like you said, uh, another thing you said, it was hard to judge. You're right. That was my – basically in the podcast on week before last of believing the Jaguars, that was my take. We weren't there to for the workouts. There's no video proof of the workouts. They didn't have a media session for his workouts. We don't know how Tim Tebow looks and he might have he very well could have looked solid as Urban Meyer and his staff has put it uh but that's the thing about it is he can't hide it forever how he looked in those workouts we're going to find out soon as the media members and we're going to find out maybe the, even the fans if they allow fans to train the camp to watch practices we'll find out soon if he looked as good as Urban Meyer said he looked and then from that point on you can assess if this is a favor or not you know but which look that's the game is about you know, I know a lot of people dislike it, and I agree Cap should be in the league. He should be playing somewhere. 
Uh, but this game will always be centered around favors and who you know, too. That's yeah. life, though. That's yeah. life. It's people out there. The example I used on our last podcast is people out there that's getting better podcast opportunities than me and you. And it ain't because they're better than us at podcasts. It's not because they are better analysts or know the game better than us. It's because they know people mm-hmm. and they know people that will get them paid while me and you are sitting here, you know, doing it for free. That's that's life in general. Like, so, you know, where is, you know, everybody throwing fits for you and me? You know what I'm saying? Like, we just take it in stride. You know what I'm saying? We take that situation to life in stride. And I hope the Jaguars or the players in their locker room could do that as well because we don't need any distractions. We were 1-15 last year. Yeah. You know, and part you, you can blame Urban Meyer for part of this too. Why bring that distraction into your locker room when you're trying to, you know what I'm saying, yeah. get away from that situation? You could, you definitely can blame that on Urban Meyer for sure. Uh, but, again, if he comes out there and look good and, you know, he could be your third string tight end, uh, you know, maybe it was worth it. But we all know a media circus comes with Tim Tebow. And that's the thing. Like, Jacksonville might not be ready for that as a team. We've never dealt with that. You know what I'm saying? The last time we really dealt with a situation like that was 2017. You know, when they went to the playoffs and played the Patriots, uh, that's, you know, but they aside from that, they've always been frowned upon in the league and just looked at it at a lower level in the league. And they never really had the media on them like that. So this is foreign territory for them. And uh, time will tell if we, you know, like if he can keep the team focused, uh, maybe there's and this is the last thing I'm going to chime in on it. Um, maybe there is some. Uh, incentive or some re- uh, maybe Shad Khan and Tony Khan have something to do with this. You know, I'm not throwing this on them, but I'm just saying maybe because if you look at their past, they look for connections to the Jacksonville fan base. Urban Meyer is a connection to the Jacksonville fan base. That's why part of why he was named the coach is because Jacksonville fans know who Urban Meyer is. They're yeah. going to flock to the stadium. Before that, they brought Tom Coughlin into the equation, which was a mistake. But why? Partly because you wanted to restore that nostalgia from the 1990s and early 2000s uh, because those fans back then knew Tom Coughlin and that he was a winner and he was a proven winner. And also you got to factor in he also won in New York. So like he was a proven winner from that standpoint, too. So but what I'm saying is the cons have a tendency to go for these nostalgic hires or these nostalgic figures to kind of, you know, it, at least to me, this is an opinion. This is not a fact uh, to, I don't know if they're trying to, you know, fill up the seats or whatever the case may be. They were doing well with that before Tim Tebow because they had Trevor Lawrence. They didn't need him. Uh, but look, maybe they feel like this is a preseason opportunity that can help them get booming in the preseason just as well as the regular season. But time will tell. It's just hard, man, for for him to play that position. Him to come back and play that position at 33 years old. I mean, tight end, like tight ends, like running backs to me. They don't last long in the NFL. I mean, Kelsey's made a hell of a career. I don't know how much longer he has, uh, how much left he has in his tank. From you know, playing. I mean, the guy was second in receiving yards last year. But like I said, I don't know. I was wondering, you know, because I keep drafting in my fantasy league. I'm like. All right, all right, Kelsey, don't let this be the year where you fall off. I I choke in the play I choke in the championship game again, but that, that's a that's a whole nother subject. Um 
you were way better than me this year. Uh, the year before last, of course, I won, and then I, I just yeah, look yeah, like complete. I, I, I know. I was in but the, I'm just. I, I've been in the championship for the past four years. And right, right. I've been, you know, I had. Well, you saw that changed my name to the 1990s Buffalo Bills because I kept making the championship game and kept getting my ass kicked when I when I got there. But I mean, that's you know what that, I'm Jim off, Kelly flow. <laughs> I'm getting off subject. Uh, it's 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 hard to it's a hard position to to play at that age and how long he's been away from the game. It's but you know if anybody could do it, it's Tebow with like his willingness to compete and his you know his work ethic and the, the, not only that the kind of attitude that Tebow has, I think you know it will help him in this process. But you know it's just it's it's so many factors going against him at this point that it's gonna be. It'll be a success story if he signs and <laughs> and stays on the team. That would be a success in my eyes. So even if he's only the third string, like you said before. Yeah, he has the fuel. One thing that can fuel him is that he's playing at home. He's playing in front of his people. You know, he's playing. I mean, yeah. He, well, he played at Nice across the county line, barely. St. Augustine is still, we still consider that Jacksonville, okay? And I mean, literally, like the school he played at is literally across the Duval County, like walking distance. Okay. So he, he's a Jacksonville guy. So uh, one thing before we move on to the next subject, last thing I wanted to chime in to like a lot of the cap references we're hearing as well. And again, I believe Kaepernick should be in the league and that he was done wrong and so on and so forth. Uh, but one thing I want to say about urban, and this is not me again, me and Josh aren't urban Meyer fans. And this is not me defending him, but if, Urban Meyer is the type that, again, like Josh said, he 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 relies on his relationships um, frequently. If Urban Meyer knew Colin Kaepernick, I do believe that he'll try that, too. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's just he don't know Colin Kaepernick. It's just like if John Harbaugh and, and credit to Mike Florio for saying this on uh, Pro Football Focus. If John Harbaugh was the Jaguars coach, he'd try and bring in Kaepernick. You know, it's again, going back to what I was saying, it's a relationship based business. Yeah, it's what it is. So, you know, I don't want to say Kaepernick wouldn't get an opportunity. Well, obviously, the Jags had interest in him years ago when Tom Coughlin there and they dropped the ball on that. So that that does fall on them for not bringing him in at that point in time at quarterback. Uh, but what I'm saying, like, if there was anybody that ain't scared to bring Colin Kaepernick back in the league, it's those two names we just named Harbaugh and Urban Meyer. And we've seen Urban Meyer does not consider the backlash of bringing people in we saw it with the Doyle hire yeah we've seen it in the past it, obviously we're seeing it now with Tebow he he doesn't process what the after effects are the backlash from it is right. so that being said like the backlash and the after effects of bringing in Colin Kaepernick maybe wouldn't phase him either because we've seen like he has a track record of doing this stuff even going back to Ohio State and Florida as well so uh, that was just one thing I wanted to throw out there before we moved on um, into our actual games here, which we got three apiece. We got some honorable mention games as well. Uh, so I am going to once again give Josh the floor to uh, give off give off his first game. Yeah, what we'll do, we'll just uh, we'll name one game at a time. Uh, you go ahead with your first one. I'll take my first one and then we'll just alternate or whatever the case may be. So, uh, my man, the floor is yours. All right, so this process we um we're doing games uh, most um uh, games we're most excited for, right? 
Correct. Yeah. Um, games we're most excited. Not necessarily prime time games. Not right. you know what I'm saying. Just games that we looked at the schedule. Oh, that caught our eye. Like I'm I'm eager to see that. So, um, so what we took in this process, like me and you both, we you're not gonna hear us talk about the Bucks and the Patriots. I mean, this is, it's an obvious choice. Pratt, be honest with you, I don't care. Like, I mean, I want to see Belichick get his revenge or. Or hell, even Brady to get his revenge, but you know it's it's not really a it's not really on my radar. I don't know how much of it's on your radar, but it's not not really important to me. Um, you see I that? agree. I agree. I mean, I like where the Bucks. I'll say this: I like where the Bucks are. Yeah. After what they basically bringing back that whole team together somehow in today's modern day and age, it's hard. Yeah, but, but that, again, as that we said, that don't salary, always work. Yeah, the salary cap is fake too. That's that's a testament. That salary cap. Stop believing in the salary cap, y'all. Yeah. Stop it, okay? For them to be able to physically do that, yeah. There is no such thing as a salary cap, or I mean, it is, but there are tricks where you can flip money and so on and so forth and get the team that you want, basically. Yeah, I don't. I don't like that. Um, that rule that says you can. Um you can sign a player for a certain amount of money and then you can restructure their contract just to fit them back on the cap or, or not like restructure, but like you can, um, what's the thing you can, is it front load or? Yeah. Um, you could front load contracts. You can back load contracts. Um, you know, it's basically, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like pulling your 401k out early. Is what you right. Mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I get what you mean now. I can't remember the exact word it is, but yeah. Um, so long as you get your guarantees, that's what matters. Right. And you could get, and that's another thing you could get paid off the books. You can be cut and a team still had to pay you in guarantees too. That's what dead money is. So yeah. it, it's penalties, you know, but at the same time, like if you know what you're doing, you, you got enough financial sense, you can make it work. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like I said, we're not going to talk about bucks on the pages. That's the obvious one. I went a little off radar. Uh, my first pick is uh, Cardinals and the Seahawks, week 11. Um, now the reason I wait, picked so uh, late in the late late in the year, well, it's 17 games now, but it's uh it's a it's a good measuring stick for both the Cardinals and the Seahawks, particularly the uh, Cardinals with all the all the free agent signs they had. They won. They got JJ Watt and AJ Green and. Um, Malcolm Butler. I mean, they went in. They they really, you know, beefed up their team not only on the defense but on the offensive side. You know, drafting Rondale Moore, which I think I think the Giants should have taken in, uh, instead of Kadarius Tony. I mean, I don't know if you saw the photos. Speaking of the Giants, mm-hmm. you, I don't know if you've seen the photos of the dude. Dude hurt his foot and worked. Tony worked down at one one cleat. Did you see that? He hurt his foot for working out in one cleat. I don't know. I don't know. I think he had on two cleats. And I think he hurt his foot and he had to take the cleat off and he still worked out. Weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, um, I guess I can speak on the Rondale Tony thing because that was one thing I studied heavily was that yeah, their um, that the ranking of that wide receiver class, which was deep, by the way, that was another class that was deep. That was one of the keys to the draft is that wide receiver class was deep. Uh, with a lot of guys, mostly slot guys, which Tony is, um, and which you could say Rondell Moore is, you know, but it was a deep receiver class. But what I wanted to say on that, now one thing I will say about Rondell Moore, as much as I liked him, 
what I kept coming back to him in terms of ranking him more so along the lines as a second round pick as opposed to a first round pick is just the injuries. Yeah. He has played in so little games to be worthy of a first round pick. And that was the one thing I could say Tony had over him is the health and the toughness. And uh, the other guy from Ole Miss, Elijah Moore, I really liked him over really Tony and uh, yeah. Rondell Moore. Well, I, I didn't mean like, you know, them taking him in the first round. I meant like. Right. No, no, no. I, I get you. You know, that's not what you meant. But I'm just saying like that for me, like that was I can understand. That's what I'm saying. I can understand why the Giants went Tony over Rondell yeah. for that reason. Basically, if you get them in and you want availability, you know, which front offices are high on. That probably explains why in some draft boards, not just them, though, like a lot of teams in the league probably had maybe Tony over uh, Rondell Moore, which, again, I think Rondell would be fantastic. He just has to stay healthy. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Kyla kind of – Kyla had a great start to the to the 2020 season. And he had – I mean, you know, of course he had Nuke as a sidekick. Um they really didn't have a running game. Uh, Kenyon Drake was uh, – oh, they also got James Conner. I'm sorry. That's the guy I was thinking about. You know, Kenyon Drake was in and out of the lineup. Chris Edmonds was in and out of the lineup. Uh, they really didn't – it seemed like they were struggling to, to get their offense off the ground after about week seven, week eight. But really, after, to be honest with you, after the the Bills game where they had the Hail Murray where – the <laughs> Murray tweet said, fuck it. <laughs> nuke, nuke down there somewhere. Yes, hilarious, bro. <laughs> Hilar- it was, I mean, it was an amazing play. But and that seems be- to work often too. By the, not just for him, but like the tech. You remember when the Texans went through like three quarterbacks and Nook Hopkins had a hundred yards with each of them? Yeah, just throw it in this direction. Man. Yeah, he cannot be stopped. I fear God, bro. <laughs> I fear God. Really, that's that's really the only one that probably could stop him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God. Um, he. You know, if you go back and look at that Bills game, you know, they they struggled up until, you know, the last, you know, two, three minutes of the game, you know, scoring any points. I mean, it's the main reason they had to throw the Hail Mary because they, one, they couldn't stop the Bills, and two, they couldn't score. But this is a, they went and got, they went and got Kyler even more weapons, you know, other than uh, just Nuke and uh, Christian Kirk. Um, and I don't know if Larry Fitzgerald's coming back this year. I hope he does, but. You know, they got more than enough weapons on the offensive side to, you know, last year they could just load up on Nuke and, you know, st- you know try to stop him. I mean, Nuke still was going off, but, you know, Kyler's got more than enough weapons to, to be one of the most dynamic offenses in the league this year. I agree. And you um, can't stop. My thing is, like, how are you going to stop? Because they've really been loading up on receivers the past two years. Really. Yeah. If you want to get – like, didn't they get, like, Andy Isabel, like the super fast kid from UMass? I think he came yeah. from UMass. Yeah. And then they got – like you said, they had already had Christian Kirk, who was a real good prospect out of Texas A&M. Now they got Rondell Moore. Like, it's just not enough defensive talent in the world to stop them in four man sets if they do what they if they do what they're supposed to do and Cliff Kingsbury knows what he don't knows what he's doing schematically, which I mean he's an offensive mastermind, so he'll figure it out. Yeah, three by one. I mean I seen some formations last year where you know, they motion four it's three by one and they motion the 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 um X receiver to the three receiver side and you got four and you run all kind of combinations. It, you know Kingsbury's mind with that kind of offensive talent, and I don't see any reason why they can't win the NFC West. You know, I mean, 
it's still, in my opinion, it's still the most competitive. It's going to be the most competitive division this year like it was last year. I mean, the Cardinals still – the Cardinals had a hell of a year. You know, they just – they couldn't separate themselves from the pack. But this year, like I said, Seahawks are always interesting. It seems like the Seahawks are back to three, four years ago where it's just Russ. You know what I mean? Like Chris Carson really can't stay healthy. It, you know, they do that running back up by committee thing. And when he, yeah, you got Metcalf, and but, you know, Lockett's getting up there in age. He really didn't produce like he did uh, two years ago. And the defense is, I mean, I mean they, they're trying to piece it together, I guess, and, you know, trying to surround them. Yeah, they've been in the bottom half of the league. Yeah. They did, especially that pass rush. That yeah. I mean, that explained the intrigue with Davion Clowney, obviously. But even then, like, they defense, like, 30, 31st yeah. pass rush-wise. And I, the way I put it, and I've studied the Seahawks extensively because of Daryl Bevel, who's our offensive coordinator. Ever since Daryl Bevel left, they ain't been able to get things right. Like, I mean, yeah, like, people can blame the – the Super Bowl play on him where it was Butler that picked it off. Um, yeah. You know, questionable call nonetheless. You take that call out of Daryl Bevel's career, he still probably should be with the Seattle Seahawks. And this is this is a testament of how respected Daryl Bevel is. Daryl Bevel has worked with Brett Favre. He's worked with Aaron Rodgers. He's worked with Matthew Stafford. He's worked with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson had rookie success and beyond with Daryl Bevel. That one play really messed him up, and they haven't been able to get right since. But what I was saying to to get to my point, when Daryl Bevel went to the Lions, there were people vouching for him. Matthew Stafford was one of them to be the head coach of the Lions to keep. He was the interim, but to keep it. Right. So that being said, like a lot of the Seahawks' issues have been uh, defense, as we said, and they just really. I mean, like yeah, they've been okay on offense at times, but like. They haven't had the same mojo they've had on offense since Daryl Bevel left or Schottenheimer, for that matter, too. Like, well, you know, Schottenheimer just got fired this year. But um, I, what I want to say about that is, you know, Russell Wilson came to bat for him and said, like, I wasn't cool with that, the firing of Schottenheimer, who mm. he's with the Jags, too. So it seems like it's some what I what I'm getting at. It seems like it's some internal Pete Carroll related stuff where they keep getting rid of coordinators that should still be there. And that's part that might be why Russ has had a little friction with them. Yeah. You know, maybe. Well, the room was like, it was right after the Super Bowl, wasn't it? Like a week or two or so after it, where we heard uh, Russ trade rumors. You know, it seems like, yeah, it seems like Russ is the last, might be the last one to go, like I said, other than the Bobby Wagner. Um, I, I don't know, you know, the Seahawks, well, I'll put it like this, the Seahawks, as long as they got Russ in a running game, they always got a shot to, you know, to be in the, being a playoff hunt. I mean, hell, they they had a horrible season, still made the playoffs last year, in my opinion. Like they still, they they underachieved uh, greatly last year. I was surprised that you know the Giants went to the Seattle and beat them, and they beat them handily. Like I mean, the score wasn't, you know, it wasn't a blowout or anything. But you go back and look at that game, and the Giants just dominated the Seahawks on defensive side. Um, you know, without a, a able quarterback, you know, because. Daniel Jones, well, they peed with Colt McCoy. Yeah. Um, yeah, damn. It yeah. just hit me. Yeah. They did beat him with Colt McCoy. Yeah, we made him turn the ball over like four or five times. And, Jesus. Uh, so. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll say this. Like, I like their front office. Like, they have a good front office. Uh, 
which that's why this is puzzling with the Seahawks lack of success lately. They had the right front office. That that makes you even wonder even more. Is it Pete Carroll? You know, like because uh-huh. like you know you, you look at all these executives, right? For example, you would know about this because you know if there comes a time where the Giants want to fire David Gettleman, guess who's gonna be one of the first people they interview? Somebody at the Seahawks um, front office. Yeah, because they just that's they're one of the hot trees right now. Them in the Chiefs. Uh, so that you know, but they could scout their asses off. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They 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 found Russ in the third round. That makes you wonder: Is it coaching at this point? Which and I and I'm a fan of Pete Carroll, but at some point, like some ain't adding up over there. And part of it is that is the team uh, culture and the attitude, and you know, we we know why you know Seahawks won that first title, and it was because of the Legion of Boom. It was because of you know Sherman and. Uh, Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor in that defense. The defense was lights out that year. I mean, you know, Russ, Russ wasn't he wasn't Trent Dilfer. You know, he was he was he was he did enough to you know well he did more than enough to have the Seahawks win. But you know, this is it's hard to replicate that. You know, of course, Gus Bradley. Yeah, it was uh, Gus Dan Quinn was yeah, one. Yeah, all of them. I mean, yeah, Todd. Well, Todd Wash was the defensive line coach. But he followed Gus. Right. He's from that tree. He followed Gus to Jacksonville. He was the Jazz defensive coordinator, that whole tree. And another thing is, like, I think the 43 under is just kind of getting figured out, too. I mean, it ain't, I mean, also, they just don't have the talent they once did. But that's the thing about the 43 under is, like, the way they play it, I believe, is, like. They almost cheated. Dude. Right. Like, you need. You need you need a Richard Sherman. You need five blue chippers to make yeah. it work, which they had. They had. Rich, as you said, um, Chancellor, Chancellor, Earl Thomas. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Byron Maxwell wasn't bad. No, you know what I'm saying. He, uh, Brandon Browner wasn't bad for that scheme. No, in that scheme by uh Wags, Wags. KJ Wright. That's yeah. You looking at kind of you know at least above average to Pro Bowl to All Pro type talents, and that's the thing. Like every team, you ain't gonna especially when you're the Seahawks, you're not gonna be able to rack up picking in the back of the first round or picking late in drafts, yeah. you ain't going to be able to rack up them kind of blue chippers. Like you just, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work that way. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's hard to keep something like that together. I mean, that's why, you know, you said the Bucks were, I was amazed that the Bucks were able to keep all those players, you know, Shaq. I thought at least one of them would leave, I especially thought Shaq was going to leave. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep something like that going for so long. I mean, you know they made they did make they they made another Super Bowl like you know of course they like because you said the play happened and all that but I don't know it's not like they fallen off it's not like you know they not like they went four and twelve last year they just they've been treading water for a while and you right. know I, I think they're caught in the middle of you know do we want to keep hunting for the playoffs or do we want right. to rebuild do yeah do we want to completely knock it down or do we want to retool yeah which you know sometimes retooling don't work. You just gotta burn. Sometimes you gotta burn it all down. Which that in their defense, that's hard to do. You can't. How do you just say like, let's burn it down and get rid of Russ? How? And how it, you know? And it seems like you know they keep missing on retools. I mean, you know, the Davion Clowney. Uh, I mean, well, he he wasn't bad in the playoffs, but you know, he wasn't that guy that he was in Houston, and they went and got a they signed Dunlap at the end of the year. You know, they helped with the playoffs and. It, it kind of worked out, but you know, it just the the signings and the draft picks they've been making, other than Metcalf, you know, haven't really been working out for them. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. So we got on a Seahawks rant there. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, man, it, again, we've been away from the booth so long aside from last week, man. We got a lot of catching up to do. So why not? Uh, you know, so we gave, we gave Seahawks fans a lot to talk about there, man. Like, yeah. they, that's a lot that they, I mean, they probably been saying that anyway themselves. Yeah. But it's, I think it's like a flashpoint, you know, for the division. Like, you know, the Seahawks, the, the Seahawks or the, the Rams won it last year? It was the Rams, right? I think the Rams won it, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I no, think wait, the Rams might have been a wild card, bro. Yeah, the Seahawks won it. Yeah, they were yeah. like third. They were yeah. so yeah. The Rams were the wild card in that case. Yeah, but I think they had like the same record or something like that. But yeah, they, yeah, I think went they a, had the tie big difference. Yeah, but I think they might have beat the Rams or something, or yeah. they had the strength of schedule or something that helped them. Yeah, but I'm just I pointed out this game because I think it's a flashpoint for the Cardinals to finally take that next step, and you know. You get a stranglehold on the division, and you know, because they had some good games last year with mm-hmm. the um, Seahawks. So hopefully, it'll be another one like that. Yeah. So for me, my first game, um, I speaking of the Rams, it's a uh, Rams versus the 49ers game, Week Ten. It's a little late in the season. Well, kind of. Yeah, it's kind of late in the season. Uh, it'll be in San Francisco. My thing is like, is uh, oh. my man Trey Lance playing? Yeah, before you get started. Yeah, is, go ahead. Is go a, ahead. Is the trade deadline moving back a week? Because we got 17 games now, or is it still week eight? I have not thought about that. They haven't said. Well, they really haven't talked about that yet. They should move it back a week. Yeah. I mean, that's I thought that's fair. what they should do anyway, because, like, I mean, even if they didn't have a 17 game. That's true. They should move it back another week. But I but, will look into yeah. that. Yeah, that's I just a, wanted to ask. Well, go ahead, man. See, look, we provide premier premium content question better than questions the media in these days you're getting that all here on the back shoulder fade season two episode two uh but yeah i got the rams 49ers in um santa clara i think the 49ers play in santa clara if you want to get technical about it uh so yeah that being said is trey lance playing at that point is jimmy garoppolo playing at that point uh is trey lance playing because he's better than jimmy garoppolo at that point or is Trey Lance playing because Jimmy Garoppolo is hurt at that point? There's a lot of question marks surrounding this game for me to put it in my top three. But nonetheless, I feel like regardless who's, of who's at quarterback there, the 49ers are able and have proven they can win games uh, regardless, you know, even if they have a rookie back there. Uh, the 49ers is going to bank a lot on not just the health of Jimmy Garoppolo at that point, but health in general because they had hit, as we said, with a record amount of hit uh, injuries last year, over 50. I think it was 55. I saw it on ESPN last week or something. But if they are healthy, this is going to be an intriguing game because if you look at the other side of the field, and this division is going to get a lot more intriguing from the standpoint as you said, 49ers, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks. It's going to get a lot more interesting because Matthew Stafford is there. And me and Phil have said it, and this is not because I'm a Georgia fan. If Matthew Stafford did not go to Detroit, he'd be considered in that Hall of Fame tier when you look at like what he could have done. I don't know if he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but and, and look, this could propel him there. Yeah. He actually has a defense now. He actually has a offensive mind in Sean McVay. Uh, I like that situation for him, and he needs it because he has not been getting his due. He he has, and you know sometimes he's been injured. You know, like but that's just that's what comes with the Lions. You know, like yeah. they haven't done the best putting tools around him. You know, so 
I'm happy for Matthew Stafford, albeit, you know, Jalen Ramsey left us and he's a part of that team. But, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting. And like Josh said, that the those matchups between those NFC West teams in general yeah. are going to be more intriguing. So I went with that one uh, just to, you know, keep it brief at that one. Um, we really could have picked, like, a division game for, for right. each week. It would have been a game of the week considering how close it was last year. I mean. Right. Right. So uh what what you got for your second game? Uh well this is pretense on Aaron Rodgers staying with the Packers. Um I right. got a week a week nine matchup of Green Bay at Kansas City. Like I said, this is all pretense on Aaron Rodgers and you know, Green Bay kissing and making up and uh, you know, he getting I guess contract extension or whatever the uh what his money or whatever he, he he's asking for? You know, Jordan I, Love trade. So what? Jordan Love trade. Yeah, I don't somebody. see that. Like that would be the stupidest. You took a guy in the first round and you trading him three years later and ain't even seen him. Cardinal did it. With who? Uh, Rosen was it yeah. Rosen? Oh yeah. my God! Yes, you are right. <laughs> you are right. right. Yeah, they might have cut their losses, but yeah. Um, it was one more thing I was about to say. Uh, what what um. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, Blake Bortles. <laughs> oh, yeah. The boat, oh, yeah, the boat they, is bike, yeah, bro. They, they, they got to get love about that Bortles. <laughs> the boat is bike, bro. Yes, sir. That uh-huh. that yacht is up in the building. That, uh, <laughs> that Duval yacht is back in the building, man. Um, but yeah, this was uh, it caught my eye because you remember two years ago this was potentially the um, hell, this is potential last year. Uh. The uh, rematch of Super Bowl one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Packers and the Chiefs. Um, I know they wanted, to, they, yeah. yeah, like Lombardi days, ain't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, well, it have it could happen two years ago, because both Packers and the Chiefs made the their respective championship game two years in a row. But you know, Chiefs were the only ones to get over the hump both times. Um, but yeah, this is like this is a potential. Once again, it's a potential Super Bowl match matchup, like it was, uh, like I said, the previous two years. And I'm just excited. You know, the Chiefs always, they always seem to hit a lull in the middle of the season. You know, I want to see just how effective they are at this point in the season in Week Nine. Also, I want to see, you know, this is a hell of a matchup between Mahomes and and Rodgers. You know, is this a? I don't even know. If this is a Monday night game, and I didn't write down the times, but. Um, this is this is a hell of a premium matchup. I know we finally got Rodgers and Brady last year. Um, so you know I want to see these two, you know the, the future and the and the I guess the present or or, or Mahomes is now and that no longer the future. But Rick Flat versus Triple H. Yeah, something like that. Right. <laughs> Evolution, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I just want to see. I want to see these two quarterbacks duke it out, man. You know, I'm a huge. Aaron Rodgers fan. I'm not a huge Patrick Mahomes fan, but um, yeah, I just want I want to see what these two guys are gonna do. Like, like I said before, I was excited about Rodgers versus Brady last year, and you know, this is another quarterback matchup I'm excited about this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm intrigued by that as well. Um, I, I'm with you. I think Rodgers is coming back. Uh, I think you know, I think him and Mahomes are bring the best out of each other. You know, we could see 
them put up this astronomical amount of points um but you know time will tell uh definitely an intriguing match and like you said potential super bowl matchup because they are from rival conferences so that you know we could begin a preview of the super bowl you know yeah. who knows um at that point uh for me i got um on my end this is an afc versus afc match uh much like my last was an nfc versus nfc uh but i got the chiefs and the ravens uh week two is early uh that being said a lot of people be healthy for both teams we're gonna see these teams uh at their best basically because the, and these are two teams they don't really necessarily take them a lot of time to get going in the season some teams it takes them time to get going these are veteran savvy teams uh that start out at gate hot you know typically um for for whatever reason offense defense a mixture of both uh whatever the case may be uh, but for me, like, I'm really intrigued by what Lamar Jackson, if I can recall, they picked up his fifth-year option. Uh, you know, a lot of people are at that point, like, he has to take that next step. And for him, Lamar Jackson, and me personally, like, it's been some factors in there that have hurt him, you know, late in the season or in the playoffs or whatever the case may be. But I'm just tired of hearing that narrative. It's time for him to take the next step. He needs to be in the Super Bowl, so on and so forth. I want to see him start out of the gate and put them hands to the Chiefs personally because I'm a big Lamar Jackson fan. Um, I mean, I know you got a lot of respect for him, too, being a Miami kid as well. Um, so that being said, man, I want to see, you know, like, does he look the part with Patrick Mahomes, who, you know, as we all, we've all we seen, uh, that, that offense that the Chiefs have is just – ridiculous with Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey you spoke on as well uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire who they used a lot early in the season this year but I think he kind of like his touches kind of died down like I didn't hear much from him like midway through the season yeah hurt like he didn't come back to like week 15 or something like that gotcha so that's what it was yeah that's another weapon they have now you know and this is a offensive mastermind Andy Reid versus somebody who's concocted I don't want to say Harbaugh is a defensive mastermind because Harbaugh, if I'm not mistaken, is a special teams coach. But we all know the Ravens for their defense. And um, I think it's Coach Don Martindale that's their defensive coordinator who should have gotten a lot of attention to be a head coach, by the way. I don't understand that. Uh, I don't know why Don Martindale hasn't received more offers for head coaching gigs than he has, but – He's been doing well, um, but this is the thing. This is the key to uh, remember here. The Chiefs very well could have the Ravens on their heels, and this is why the, the Ravens, and I would know this, lost a lot defensively in terms of their staff. The Jaguars took Joe Cullen, their defense line coach, who used to work for Jacksonville in like 2010 to 2012. Very good, bright mind, by the way. Um, hard nose, old school, like, type of coach man you know you know right. what i'm saying yeah. so shout outs to cullen for coming back to jacksonville we're glad to have him as our defensive coordinator uh we took one of their assistants as well um his name is escaping me uh but they i think they they lost like several assistants on that defensive staff and now it's you know this we're gonna see how good hardball is at finding assistants now and replacing those guys and getting the right coaches in place for this team so uh, that's something to be mindful of Will the Ravens defense look like the defense we've seen? Now, if they don't, then, you know, like you kind of that kind of helped Lamar's case for the blame not to go on him is how I would put it. But nonetheless, 
how does Lamar look against uh, Patrick Mahomes, and how is the Ravens' defense looking after all they've lost? Yeah, um, I mean, you basically said it all, and I'm more interested in seeing how Lamar plays against you know the Chiefs' defense because he's been uh, having some rough games against the Chiefs the last two seasons. If I'm not mistaken, he just he hasn't looked right. Whether it be you know there's no running lanes or you know he's inaccurate with the ball, his completion percentage was horrible last year. Um, yeah, you basically said it all, man. It's um, I want to see. I'm pretty sure it was an early matchup last year, right? Too, right? Was it was it even open a weekend or? It might have been. It might have been. Yeah, I can't remember. I know it was early in the season, but right. like I they said, they got a little history, like you said, though. Yeah, yeah, they surprisingly. Um, yeah, Lamar hasn't, like I said, he hasn't played well in these matchups. So, yeah, I want, I want to see, I want to see him improve, man. Yeah, so uh, I guess I'll take my last one off. I'm just gonna knock it off, and you can do your last. Bills, Chiefs, Week Five. Again, you I mean, you heard what I said about Josh Allen. I wasn't a big believer in him until last year. He showed me something. And, you know, for me, I've always believed that quarterbacks, they don't if they come into the league inaccurate and with accuracy issues, they normally don't get better in that category. And Josh Allen kinda, you know, he kinda showed me up. Like so I mean, like, of course, like there's always an exemption to every rule too, by the way. And I'm not knocking Josh Allen because he looked phenomenal last year. Like, he really looked good, uh, way better than I ever thought he would be. But is it sustainable? Is he, you know, uh, will he continue to look that way? Um, for I, I wouldn't mind if he did, you know. Right. Like, I'm, I ain't a hater. Like, if he continues to look like – because that's what that's what we need is the, the quarterback play in the future. Like, yeah. that's what the league moving to anyway, a quarterback league. I mean, shit, it already is a quarterback league. I mean, let's be honest. So – uh, you know, another rival for Trevor Lawrence. The the to get out with the Jags and Bills actually have a little history, by the way. You know, twenty seventeen playoffs and and whatnot. They fan bases don't like each other, uh, but that's another story for another time. But uh, yeah, Josh Allen, like you were saying with Evolution Triple H, the present versus the past in Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. This is kind of reminiscent of that in a sense of Triple H, the present versus the future, who was Randy Orton, right? Yeah. So this is what I'm looking at here, you know, is the present guy. And they're not that much different in age, by the way, him and Mahomes. Um, but uh, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. And who looks the best between those two? Because, again, this is relatively early in the season. So everybody should be healthy. The Bills have made adjustments. They've added some help um, to kind of get them over the hump, uh, which is good for a team that came that close to the Super Bowl as they did. Jalen Phillips was one of them, if I'm not mistaken. They got Jalen Phillips. He fell to them. Or was it uh, they got Greg Russo. Russo? Yeah, I got him mixed up. But Russo, and I was real high on Russo. Long, lean, linear kid that, you know, can do some, like, in, in a way, like, he kind of remind me of another Miami guy, which was Calais Campbell. Right. You know, and and it was funny because a lot of people were saying, like, Russo didn't test all that great athletically in terms of the RAS and in terms of his pro day, right? That was the same stuff we was hearing about Calais Campbell. Yeah. He's not that athletic, but he – Hell, Cal- Calais Campbell, like 6'8". That's why he won – That's why exactly. he didn't look that athletic. As, yeah. I mean, and he did not – you know, like, he didn't look the best in – uh, the the combine I can remember seeing him run the forty it just yeah. but I you know even as young as I was then I was like but still like 
his work on the field speaks for itself, you know, like, and he still, and he made people pay to his credit for choosing him in the second round. He should have been a first round pick. He's a, you know, people say he's, you know, he'll be a hall of famer. The best Jaguars free agent acquisition in Jaguars history, period. Mm. So, I mean, like that was a mistake on the scouting department, choosing athletic, you know, looking too far into athleticism to make them pass on a, a, such an elite talent because he's been, uh, all pro, he's been a pro bowler, uh, but I digress from my point. Greg Russo has a lot of those traits, and you know he could really, really uh, pay off for Sean McDermott and the Bills. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they'll see it like immediately or whatever the case may be. He might, he might be a work in pro- uh, progress. Uh, but you know that's a guy that I can see doing very well. But you know the Chiefs, you can tell the Chiefs are not just, uh, excuse me, the Bills are not just building for the present to get over the hump. They're looking for to build. Uh, they're looking to build in the future as well and get those defensive pieces that you're going to need to beat the chiefs of the world, uh, to beat the Packers of the world, these offensive, you know, they got these crazy, uh, one day the uh, Arizona Cardinals who are trending in that direction with what they have, uh, whatever the case may be. So I want to see that matchup because of the quarterbacks, the present versus the future, Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes. And I want to see where the bills are in terms of, you know, like the upgrades they made and like how closer are they to being what the chiefs are. And that's a Super Bowl team. Yeah. Um, this is a rematch of the divisional round last year. Right. If I'm not mistaken. Um, mm, yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure they, they played in the divisional round. It might be. Yeah, yeah, was that the one? Yeah, Josh Allen. They got blowed out a little, maybe. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't close. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might have been it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is like I mean, like it was last year. This is a good measuring stick game for the Bills. You know, well, they kind of saw. Well, you you take the playoffs with a grain of salt. I mean, you know, you got all the preparation that goes into it, and you got motion and momentum and all that. You know, it's kind of a maybe a one-off thing, but you know, this is a good. This would be a good measuring stick for the Bills. Um, what week is it? Week four? It's early, like week three. Week five. Like week five. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, last year it showed just how much, you know, Josh Allen did have an MVP caliber season, but it just shows how much further he has to go in terms of catching up with, I mean. Well, yep. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a it's a gap. Yeah. It's as good as he, and that's crazy. Yeah. As good as that season was, it's a gap between him and and Mahomes got the, you know, consistency and Mahomes has the playoff resume. Yeah. Mahomes has the playoff experience. Mahomes has the hardware. Yeah. Um also on the defensive side, it shows how much further they had to go in terms of stopping somebody. They're probably gonna run into the Chiefs again if it's gonna be like the Patriots of old where you gotta run through the Chiefs to get to the championship, uh get to the Super Bowl. You know, we've seen it the last two years, the Chiefs have been the uh, the guys coming out on top of the AFC, so you know it'd be a good, like I said, it'll be a good uh, gauge game for the Bills, and you know just to see where they are, see how well they're playing, and how well they match up against the, the Chiefs, who are essentially bringing. I mean, they're getting the offensive line back. Well, they're getting eight offensive line back with some of the free agents they've been signing. So you know, I'm excited for it. I, I, I see why you picked that game. Um, my pick is uh, I'm going to round this out with my uh, third game, and then we're doing honorable mentions after this, right? Our personal picks. Yeah, yeah, you can go um, ahead and finish it off. Um, my third uh, game is Browns at Ravens. Um, 
the, the first game was okay, but the second game was a was a a Twitter meme classic from from uh, Lamar Jackson quote unquote getting hurt to uh, him going back in the back. You know, I I think he Paul Pierce. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you know, yeah, we ain't want we ain't want our man Lamar to go through that kind of embarrassment, man. Not on that was on that was on. Yeah, that was Monday, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, oh, no. See, ESPN got cameras. Well, to your point, like you said, we saw them going in the back. They they, they really got cameras everywhere, bro. Like, you can't even go to the locker room without, like, come on, bro. Like, how many cameras y'all boys got, man? They got aerial cams. They got sky cams. They got the cam on the cable that go across the field. They probably got a field goal post cam. Hell, they they just getting ridiculous with this stuff, man. He played he played it well though. He came out with the limp. He he went he went in with the limp. Came out with the little less limp. I was like, okay, Lamar. Yeah, he came back just in time to throw the uh, game winning touchdown pass. I mean, it's it, it was a it was a classic game, man. It's one of those um, it's one of those games that you know the whole time I'm talking about. That's just that's a hell of an experience, man. Where you see you see so many uh, memes and comments and retweets it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a it was a, it was a great, on top of that it was just a great game between uh two got two teams you know trying to win a division at that point and you know hopefully it'll be the same this time around in uh in week 12 so yeah i'm, I'm excited to see something like that happen again so okay so honorable mention it's not so much of a um a game i left off the list in terms of importance of the league but it's a more personal pick, and that's Giants versus the Chiefs in Monday Night Football Week Eight. Now, this I take this as the same thing as you know your pick with the Bills at Chiefs. Um, I see this as a hell of a gauge game. We got some. I went back and looked at the schedule. We got a hell of uh, a lot of winnable games before we run into the Chiefs. We don't have any trouble with the uh, Washington team. We can beat the Falcons. The Saints are a winnable game. Cowboys are a winnable game. Um, the Rams might be a tough one. And then we got the Panthers, which is a winnable game. So we can go into that. Uh, we can go into week eight being what, five and two, I guess. Um, so, like, yeah, if we do what we're supposed to do, you know, we'll go into that game with a winning record and, you know, a lot of momentum. And going against the Chiefs and beating the Chiefs on Monday night would do wonders for our confidence. So, you know, you know hope, hopefully we won't. Turn into the Giants of old, where two years ago, where we just you know flat up gave gave up on games. So um, yeah, I know about them confidence games too. You know, twenty seventeen Jags Steelers, the first time. Yeah, like them, boy, they'll take you a long way, boy. When you <laughs> especially you got some arrogant boys up, <laughs> you got some Jalen Ramsey's off in that locker uh-huh. room, bro. Yeah, bro, that arrogance to get you along, boy. You you rattle off three, four more that you ain't supposed to win. <laughs> That's why I wanted us to. I wanted the Giants to make the playoffs last year because after we beat the Seahawks, we had all we went to Seattle and beat the Seahawks. You know, and the way we the, the way we dominated them, we had all the momentum in the world. I mean, you know, and that's why I forever hate. I mean, I already hated the Eagles, but the bullshit they pulled in weeks uh, seventeen with Jalen Hurts, and you know, but it's neither here nor there. Like I said, I'm I'm excited about you know Giants and Chiefs. You know, we. I can't remember the last time we played the Chiefs. So, um, playing the team make the Super Bowl uh, previous year it would be a, a a great gauge for us. 
Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, like, you know, for, you know, me, your teams, like, that have struggled and been, like, in the top ten of draft orders and all of that. Like, we always look forward to these kind of games. Like, yeah. some people be like, oh, that's a blowout. And meanwhile, we're looking at it as, like, I want to see where my team at. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally want, you know, like, it's – it's uh. It's games on the Jazz schedule, you know, where I'm like the Seahawks is one of them traveling to the West. Them, uh, the Cardinals, they play that whole division. Yeah, I yeah. want to see how they fare against them boys, especially. I mean, some of them you're going to have to travel to, and that's a whole nother thing because the Jaguars just have just this these struggles on the West Coast, except for when they played at SoFi Stadium last year, which actually could help them against the Rams. They played well against the uh, – it was the Chargers, yeah. That was one of them offensive shootout like type games. I mean, the Chargers won, and we couldn't stop nobody on defense. But mm. we'll see. Maybe. And look, this is a bunch of like new Jaguars too. This ain't the same guys from before. Like this team looked drastically different from you know last year, and even if you go further back than like seven twenty seventeen, it's drastically different than that team for sure. Like of course, a lot of them got traded off by Dave. <laughs> but uh, that that kind of goes into my next point. Uh, a little bit, speaking of the Jazz, they're my honorable mention team. I want to see them versus the Bengals, their only primetime game, uh, which we kind of expected at the same time. We thought Trevor Lawrence would be able to get us another primetime game, but, you know, it's mandatory every team get one. So uh, that was ours. Unfortunately, it's not in Jacksonville. That would have helped, you know, to have yeah. Thursday night football in, in the city and, you know, host them and whatnot. It's in Cincinnati, but nonetheless – it's the big Joe Burrow versus, you know, it's the rematch, basically. Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. A lot of people, you know, like, how much better have the Bengals gotten around Joe Burrow offensively? Can they protect him better than they did last year? Um, they did make some adjustments to their offensive line, to their credit. Got Riley Reef from, uh, I think Riley Reef previously played for the Vikings. He is at right tackle. You got you a veteran right tackle now. Jonah Williams is a year older. He was a rookie last year, if I'm not mistaken, from Alabama. First-round pick or something like that. I think he was a first-round pick or close to a first-round pick. Jonah Williams, a year wiser, um, and that helps that left tackle as well when you get that exposure and, you know, you get the amount of uh, snaps he did. I think he actually got a 70 on PFF. So we'll see how the blindside protection is looking. Uh they might have added a guard that's escaping my mind right now. But, um, yeah, how much better is that offensive line and that offense in general? And how much better also is uh, Zach Taylor as a coach? You know, like he's at that point where, like, he's kind of on the hot seat. And you're a Sean McVay disciple and people waiting to see it. Mm -hmm. Like they waiting to see they what Like that's the thing. Everybody's looking for the next Sean McVay. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and literally, that's probably why. And that's not a discredit to Zach Taylor, but that's literally why the Bengals probably got him. It's like you learned from Sean, you were his quarterback coach, so on and so forth. When is this offensive firepower that the Rams have, when is it going to show for us? You know, mm -hmm. like, again, and that's what the league is looking for. Everybody's going sooner or later. I'm telling you all right now, people going to start and it's kind of started with the Chiefs. People want Eric B enemy or that, you know, that nobody won't give him a job, unfortunately, but he's getting all of these interviews. It's now going to switch to Mike Kafka, by the way, who's the quarterback's coach there. Very bright, young mind as well. 30, like Mike Kafka literally is like our age, by the way. Mm. He, he could literally be playing. Right. I know you probably I think he played for Northwestern 
or something like that. But uh, he he played in the league a little bit. But yeah, Mike Kafka's the next guy. That's the next Sean. Mc- I'm telling folks right now. That's who everybody's gonna be viewing as that young Sean McVay at this point. But um, I digress from my point. On the Jag side. I'm really excited about, like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm thinking the Jazz going to the playoffs or anything. Like, y'all know I'm a realist. I call a spade a spade. Uh, I don't know what my end of the season prediction or my uh, seasonal prediction for the Jazz will be yet. I'm still thinking about that. But I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs or anything like that. But nonetheless, what intrigues me about them is, again, like I told Josh, is Dave Caldwell got everything around the quarterback. He could just never find a quarterback. He has LaVisca Chenault, you know, like literally Trevor Lawrence is going into an offense with LaVisca Chenault, James Robinson, who put up astronomical, who put historic numbers up for undrafted running back, by the way. LaVisca Chenault, who looked good. DJ Chark, who was once a pro bowler, uh, didn't look like it last year, but 2017, he was a pro bowler. Uh, They got issues at tight end, clearly. (laughs) We talked about that. Uh, But, um, you know, offensive line is... You know, they get a lot of grief, too. Like, no, they're not elite, but Gardner Minshew didn't make them look good either. Right. You know, so they, they're they a top, I'll say, like, if I had to rank with 21, 22, 23 type of offense, way better than what the Bengals had last year. Right. If we be, Hell, again, James Robinson ran for a record number of yards for an undrafted rookie behind them. So they can run the ball, clearly. They can pass the ball clearly because of the weapons. They got Marvin Jones, another receiver, veteran receiver, who knows Daryl Bevel's offense, who's coming, who's following Daryl Bevel from Detroit. Right. So we're looking at a potential game here where these two young men are, are duking it out, and maybe it's even a shootout knowing the Jazz defense. Maybe it's even a shootout where we're getting LSU versus uh, Clemson again. Yeah. You know, which, you know, they, you know, and it, I personally underestimated how people viewed this. You could ask Josh how people viewed this match. I went to two articles. It was listed as a top 10 matchup. Like, I wasn't going to put this on the list. It's honorable mention. I wasn't just going to say, uh, you know, something else. I think I said Colts and um, it was the Colts and somebody I wanted to see. But uh, clearly, some people in the NFL think this is going to be a good one and, I mean, it'll be the only game on. That's the luxury of Thursday night football. Yeah. Only game on. You know, why not check out the future? If you're a casual fan or you're a fan of either one of the teams. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's got the quarterback draw, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously it's the quarterback draw. I think people probably picked it because it was on Thursday night and it's probably going to be, you know, the only primetime game. But, you know, like I said before, you know, this is exciting to see – uh, you know, Urban Meyer on, on you know, prime time with, you know, rookie quarterback against um who's who I think is gonna be, you know, the future <laughs> behind the future, you know, Joe Burrow, you know, he showed a lot of promise last year with I can't remember exactly the week he got hurt, but you know, he had a bingles in a lot of uh he had a bingles in a lot of games last year. Yep. I like what they I mean the receivers too, T yeah. Higgins. Mm-hmm. T. Higgins were looking excellent, man, yeah. for a rookie. And then they got um not Jefferson. Um dang, what's we just talked about this last week. The receiver they drafted in the first round, Jamar Chase. Yeah. They got Jamar yeah, yeah, Chase yeah. now. So mm-hmm. like again, look at the rec- the receivers we just named on both sides for the, these two offensive players for these two quarterbacks. 
it you might be looking at the future and at least the future of offensive football. I don't know what to say about the defensive side. <laughs> it might get a little ugly, bro, but you might yeah. be looking at the future of offensive NFL football. Yeah, um it'll be a, I'll definitely tune in for it, you know, to see two two uh two young quarterbacks who be like you said, the rematch of the national championship game. Um, you know, I want to see what they're gonna do. I, I, I'm excited to see Trevor Lawrence. You know, I'm not, I'm not a huge Jaguars fan, but you know, I, I, I'm excited to see where he's gonna take y'all. So you know, you guys have been, you know, other than 2017, he's basically you guys have been New York Mets. Be like, oh, like oh god, <laughs> you start you start the season. I was like, oh god, we suck again. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's yes. uh, yeah, you know, because I, you know, you guys had a promise, you know, after that, after the, uh, you know, the uh, AFC Championship game run, you know, next year you came back, got your revenge against the Patriots, and then, yeah, you know, it went, you know, you kind of reverted back to your old ways, but then, then Tom Coughlin and a mix of roster personalities yeah. and yeah, you uh, got, yeah, it, yeah, it all and Blake Bortles, yeah, <laughs> it all came crashing down. Yeah, so I mean, I, I want to see. Seems like a new day for you guys. You guys finally got the quarterback that you wanted. I mean, you missed on missed on Minshew. Well, not missed on Minshew. You got the most you could out of Minshew. Missed on Blake Bortles. Balake. <laughs> missed on Blake Bortles, and you missed on uh, Chad uh, Hennessy. So. <laughs> and Gabbert. Yeah, and Gabbert. Yeah, so yeah. You, you guys finally got the – the premier, the number one overall, the, the the guy everyone's been waiting to come out of college. I mean, the guy could have left. I think he was a sophomore, in my opinion. But you know, you guys have been waiting on this. Uh, you've been waiting on this guy, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I want to see where he's gonna take y'all. What better fan base that, in terms of fan bases, that's been tortured? Yeah, to get Trevor Lawrence. A lot of Jazz fans. I mean, a lot of you know. Casual fans and other, you know, fans of the other 31 teams that tell you otherwise. Uh, but that fan base has been through a lot. Yeah. And they des- they deserve, if anybody deserved Trevor Lawrence, it's the team that got hurt in the 2017 playoffs against the Patriots like they did, which, you know, you can argue on which side Miles Jack was down or he wasn't down, whatever. Uh, but for them to lose the game the way they did, not just that play, just yeah. in general, yeah. like you know, that was heartbreaking. Till this day, I've only watched the highlights. I watched that game, of course, in its entirety. I had to, but I've only I've never watched that game again, ever. I've only seen the highlights for that game twice, right? Ever in my life, I can't I can't even do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't. So for them, you know, to go through that and to go through the Tom Coughlin there and losing Jay, like losing. A, they finally got a marketable face yeah. of the franchise. Right. Lost him. Lost Calais Campbell. Again, the best free agent to ever sign with that team. Ever. Um, Yan. Yan got away. Mm-hmm. Telvin Smith getting some trouble. And and Blake Bortles, who the fan base loved because Blake Bortles is Florida. He's yeah. from Oviedo. He's what he literally, if Jacksonville could custom make a quarterback. And draw one up. That's him, mm-hmm. in terms of the personality. Him and Minshew. That's lit. They literally embody Jacksonville. <laughs> so for them to get Trevor Lawrence, that's you know that's a big blessing. At least they see it that way. Um, and you know I don't want to go on too much of a rant, but like they're viewing it as if you know maybe like because we've heard the stories. Colts fans have told us this story. 
Indianapolis was not booming or popping before Peyton Manning. There wasn't a lot of bars around in the area. Peyton Manning comes, they get business downtown, people staying open till no not win Sunday. You know, it affected them on an economic level. Right. They get a new stadium. This is huge for Jacksonville. Yeah. And, you know, this game is, you know, this is a game where Trevor Lawrence could be facing his his arch rival in the, of the future. We don't know yet, but this could, this could be his arch rival. Um, and the meeting they had at Clemson and um, Clemson, excuse me, and LSU may have just been the beginning for them, mm-hmm. literally, of what could be Manning versus Brady. Brady, yeah. yeah. It could be, you know, like we're looking too far into the future, and that's a lot of what yeah. But we're, I'm just saying, maybe we're looking at that. Maybe we're not. We'll see. All right, so with that being said, man, we're going to wrap it up, man. That, that's pretty much it. Um, me and Josh, once again, another quality episode where we got some stuff off our chest. Uh, we ran a little longer than expected, but again, man, me and him just happy to be back in the booth, man, happy to be talking football. That being said, man, you got any closing remarks or anything you want to say before we wrap it up Um, that might be football related or whatever, just whatever's on your mind, man. It's it's our podcast, so go ahead. Uh, I don't have too much to say. Um, college football side of things, did you watch the um, – the they had the – I didn't know the tournament was having this uh the playoffs for division one double A, I guess. It happened uh over the past over the weekend. I didn't even Yeah, it kinda bypassed me because I was so busy. But yeah. yeah, like I wish I could have caught it. Like yeah. I mean I'm a bit I like to support division one A and I mean I like to support the smaller divisions of also I mean, especially the, with um Dion, you yeah. know, going you know, to um where he went. Like I wanted to watch a lot more of it. It's, and that was just kinda neat. We finally had a football season, a true, like, professional type grade, a professional grade, I'll say, football season in the spring. Yeah. And I ain't even get to watch it like I wanted to, man. But they didn't put a lot on on TV. Like, Dion had to, like. And they should have. Yeah, he had to politic to get Jackson State. Like, they were putting them on ESPN3. Like, he had to politic to get some of the games put on ESPN. So Maybe we should make that a thing here at the – Back show the fade podcast, but yeah, man, like yeah, like they deserve a spot. Like they deserve more airtime. They deserve yeah. more TV, man. Like it's, especially like when nothing else was on. Like come on, like, yeah, like what what are you putting on TV over Jackson State and? It's not like you putting baseball on every, you know, because right, it's on Bally Sports. Well, what? that's what they calling it now, Bally Sports. What the new network that baseball games are coming on? Like, it's not even like, like now they, well, they finally worked out a deal with ESPN. Now they'll, I think they have, you know, they'll be on ESPN more. Right. But yeah, before they on the new, whatever Fox Sports, re, the spot, the Fox Sports regional networks changed into it. It's, it's called Bally Sports now. Huh. That's why a lot of people haven't been able to see the Braves games. It's because like, they're on these super exclusive channels right now. Yeah, because I know they lost that deal with this last year and I couldn't even watch any Regular season Braves games, that was disappointing. But <laughs> given the way the Braves are playing this year, I, I might be, you know, unless I'm going to watch them live, you know, it might be a blessing to not watch some of that stuff. <laughs> Boy, that pitching. Help is on the way. Yeah, but that pitching, bro. Bro, they, they, they gave up a 9-10 to game today to the Brewers. Yeah. They beat the Brewers the first two games. Freddie hit a grand slam and all that. and 9-10, to 10, bro. Yeah. 19 points. They got to figure it out. I mean, you know, it's kind of like we were talking about, you know, Buccaneers running the back. It's kind of hard to keep that magic. Yeah, the Red Sox didn't make the playoffs last year, and they won yeah. the damn 
World Series, so yeah. But also, uh, I wanted to talk. Did you see the, uh, the other thing? The it's not an AFL. It's not the whatever it's called. It's the there's another league going around. And I can't remember what it's called now. And it it it, it, it uh, you ain't talking about the virtual football league. That's on. It comes on uh, Van Network and Twitch. No, that Johnny was in. I watched a few games of that actually. No, it's an actual like they said it was like a. Spring training for the for the NFL. Is it the spring? It's one called literally called the spring league. I think that might be what it is. Yeah, it's one called like I. I, I don't know if they were they were partners with the NFL. They might be now, but I, I really didn't pay much attention to it because you know you got like you said, what was the one that went over because they ran out of money in, in the middle of the league. AAF. <laughs> yeah, bro. I'm so. That's another thing, man. I want another league to flourish too, well, like, man. I do, but you know, you see, you got a problem like something easy, as, something simple as that, where they just flat out run out of money. Yeah, it's gonna be they easy. show you went funded enough from the beginning. Yeah, like it was a paycheck to paycheck type of thing. It felt, I mean, like if you ran out of money, and they have, they didn't have enough money to give the guys Gatorade. So like, it was just, you know, it's gonna be even harder now in in COVID. Like it's just, yeah. I mean, the Rock bought the FF, the XFL. Like I'm, I'm scared for him. Still, yeah. I'm I'm literally I'm really scared for him, yeah. bro. Like and the money he lo- it's, it's, like he's such a childhood idol of, of ours. Like I'm scared he's gonna lose money, bro. It's just hard. I mean, what's, what's the lead that that started that had uh, Roger coming? Roger coming here. Herschel Walker. He started out in. Uh, oh yeah, I remember that. I forgot what that was called too. Yeah, and it went on for like a couple of years, but it it folded into the uh, NFL. Yeah. Like it's just. It's hard to, to. They had the model too. Not them. I'm talking, the AAF. They yeah. had the mo- like CBS. Yeah. Took it's, them on. Like yeah. they was like, we'll show you games. Like so, I mean, I just think they would maybe the AAF was dealt a bad hand with yeah. the COVID and stuff. Well, they like, haven't before COVID. They haven't two years. Yeah, ago. yeah. Now nah, I think about it, actually did. Yeah. But um, I'm hoping you know the Rock has it. Like he, I'm hoping he really has been studying this thing before he really signed off on. T- That's the thing, man. Like, quit. You could do that in the NFL as an owner. You know, you could be somebody. You could be a real estate guy that's a billionaire. You could just buy a team and not know nothing about football. And Shark Khan's an example. He yeah. didn't really know about football, and it showed the first this past decade. And you still getting money. That's the thing about it. You still gonna get a profit. Mm-hmm. Even as bad as the Jags have been, that one good season, and that's the thing. Like, there's no accountability for losing, and then for owners, it's not. No, the players, yeah, hell yeah, it's kind of they losing jobs and shit, you yeah. know. But for owners, it's no accountability, and I just hope like The Rock is really, you know, like he's not gonna get that luxury that they get in the NFL, you know, like like David Tepper got when he bought the the Panthers and hasn't really won you know, done anything significant yet. Um, or, you know, if Bezos ever buy a team, you know, that's been the thing lately because he owns Amazon and has a lot of money. And he has, you know, Amazon clearly has the partnership with the NFL. So that would be right. a smart owner to have in, in the business. That's another thing. Did you see it's going to be exclusively on Amazon Prime now? The I saw that. Yeah, I knew they were trending into that because yeah. they were showing them on Amazon Prime the last two years. Like, but yeah. they went exclusively, right. but because it was like it was on Amazon, CBS, and Fox. So yeah, well, yeah, well, the network, NFL network, network. Yeah, yeah, NFL Network too. So I think yeah, it's exclusive, which is 
That's where it was moving to. Like you said, it was moving towards the prime right. anyway, which is. I mean, it, we in the digital yeah. era anyway, and it's not hard to get to. I mean, hell, I could watch. I mean, I could watch that at, on my phone at work now. Right. So. That that's probably their mindset. It's like yeah. everybody got like if you did a statistical like chart of who has Prime or Amazon on their phone, yeah, and who has a smartphone, they're like, oh well, we better off doing this, like because I mean people don't really watch TV like a TV a physical TV anymore. Right. They watching phone like more people got these than TVs. Yeah, that's why I hope they move to you know the league do something like that to. Is I can't watch the Giants every week because you know because I don't want to get direct flipping over to direct TV is a hassle and being with a, you know cable company and all that that's just a hassle to deal with every right. month and I just you know I hope the right. league goes in that kind of situation hell they might you know do the deal with uh, YouTube TV to where you know they get on there and broadcast yeah. every game so. yeah I got you know that's what I use YouTube right. TV. and they you know they getting YouTube TV's getting savvy with it they've acquired. NFL Network didn't have that at first, um, yeah. you know. So we'll see, we'll see. I mean, that's that's what we living in right now. So we'll see. But yeah, man. In terms of me, I mean, I just got Jazz coverage. Trevor Lawrence came into town. Uh, obviously, I'll be talking about that. Then you know, OTAs will continue. Uh, regular mini camp, not rookie mini camp, but regular mini camp. And then training camp. So that's what you got for to look forward to me. But in the meantime, of course, we'll have more episodes. Season two, the new and improved Back Shoulder Fade Podcast. I'm James Johnson. That's Josh Sampson at Johnny Assassin is where you can find him at Sports Grind Under the Score Done is where you can find me. And we are signing out on this Sunday night.